Beneath the clothes, we find a man. And beneath the man, we find his nucleus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Hispanard. We are going to go down a strange rabbit hole. The first thing that I'm going to talk about that is not a weird rabbit hole, but it's going to tie into it, is I wanted to recommend something that I came very late into the game to, and that is author Jack Carr's Amazon Prime, uh, you know, Amazon Video Prime series, The Terminal List, starring... Chris Pratt, by far one of the best shows that I've seen this year. I don't know if the show actually came out last year, you know, or I I believe I believe it debuted maybe last year at the very end of the year, maybe at the very beginning of January. I'm not really sure. You know, it's a eight episode show. Each episode is about an hour long. Uh, I won't go through and spoil episode by episode because I would want you to see it. What I can do is instead fill in broad strokes and just tell you what I really liked about it. Number one, Chris Pratt's performance was excellent. Number two, the writing and the direction of the story, in my opinion, was one of the best. I, I put it up there with Andor and I know that a lot of people really felt like they were waiting for Andor to begin, that it was a, a long series. But to me, Andor was a very well thought out, very well told story that opened story loops and then closed everything at the end. This one is definitely much faster. It's it's written to be quicker and it's written to be very intense. I guess the difference between this and Andor would be that the motivations are very primal in the terminal list. And I can give you kind of a, a quick overview. Basically, Chris Pratt is the leader of one of the SEAL teams. I believe SEAL Team 7 is the the team that he's overseeing. They have a... Uh, they're, they've been hunting a um, a Middle East terrorist... I believe that deals with drugs and bombs, possibly. And they ha finally have a hit on him. And it's a pretty solid, you know, hit. So they gather the team up. They, With the intel that they have, everybody makes a decision to go in. So the first episode, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing them gear up. And the first episode sets up the rest of the season and why... Chris Pratt's character ends up going rogue and creating a list, which, you know, is the name of the show, the terminal list. Everybody that gets on that list will be terminated. And it is such a well done, such a, uh, you know, 
I have no military background. I have no clue what's realistic or what's not. But I do feel that the way that this series was written and directed, it everything feels plausible. You know, all the way up until the end. Uh, yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. Everybody's performance is fantastic. The motivations make complete sense. Like I said, they open story loops and then they close them. So everything gets, you know, and and it's also heartbreaking. The 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 central part of the story is having to do with Chris Pratt's family. And that portion of it is is really heartbreaking. You could see and understand the motivations even of the bad guys and why they decide to push forward with, you know, the agenda that they've set. I also loved one of the things that I loved, and, you know, I hope this is not a big spoiler, but I like that there is no big, no necessarily big bad that is set up in a, like a Bruce Lee movie style or a video game style where Chris Pratt's character has to constantly match up physically against someone, overcome them, and then, you know, you move on with the story. I appreciate the the subtleness of who's difficult, who's not difficult. That That felt more realistic to me by far in terms of the character that Chris Pratt is portraying and the people that he's going after he doesn't go after them mindlessly all of it is methodical well thought out very intelligent and actually really chilling when you step back and you take a look at it you know you wouldn't want someone like his character with his skills coming after you because you have no hope someone who has nothing to lose and is very thoughtful and you know about their approach as to how they're going to come after you <laughs> forget about it. You are going to lose. And one of the things about this show too, that was so satisfying was the violence. And this is the, the rabbit hole that I was going to get into that I wanted to talk about because it's actually come up a couple times over the years as I've listened to other podcasts, the idea that maybe, maybe America more than a lot of other places is very comfortable with violence, but is very uncomfortable with sex on screen. I I have a few thoughts about that. And I, I think some of the people that I've heard over the years talk about this stuff, I don't think that they have the right perspective on it or opinion. And, you know, obviously this is all opinion. I'm giving you my opinion on it. And you can take my opinion, dissect it and go, well, this is why you're wrong. Totally fine. You know, this is, this portion of it is not as objective as it is pretty subjective, just like art. But I think, you know, violence and the depiction of violence, whether it's cartoonish superhero movie violence or very realistic and graphic violence like the terminal list or cartoonish gore violence like you know terrifier or halloween or you know the jason movies um <clears throat> i think we can as a society as an american society we tend to 
go for that kind of violence? Well, for a few different reasons. One, if you've got violence like John Wick, The Matrix, Terminal List, you can appreciate the skill that is being shown to you on screen. Oftentimes, what you're seeing on screen is actually not even realistic fighting, but the the hyper-cartoonish, over-the-top aspect of it you know, I think I think Americans can respect the athleticism behind it and the over-the-top part of it because it keeps it in your mind that okay, well, that's that's not real. You know, there's a a moment in the terminal list where a bad guy is coming after. Uh, there's a uh, female character; she's a reporter, and she just got done escaping this really tough moment and she makes it outside. And then you see this thug get the drop on her and you go, Oh, well, she's not going to make it. And then off screen, someone just, and it's not someone it's, it's Chris Pratt's character just pops him in the head. And you see like that recoil that, I mean, the acting was phenomenal. The guy, the way that he recoiled, like as if he was getting shot in the side of the head and you see the blood spray, you know, and the guy drops. That was a very visceral moment for me where I'm like, oh, geez, like it, you know, it bothered me. And I think it was constructed to bother you. And Obviously, every, this is where the subjective part of it comes in because people are going to have different reactions. Some people are going to be like, that was awesome. Other people are going to be like, that's too much. I, in fact, I can tell you, I didn't watch this series with my wife because I believe, uh, you know, based on on how she's reacted to other things and how she feels about violence, she's like very sensitive to violence. And I totally understand. To her, that would not be like, that was awesome. To her, that would be, that's awful. I might carry that around with me for a couple of days and think about the realities of violence in this world. I don't carry the same thing that she does. I didn't think that moment was awesome in the sense of like, yeah, I love to see someone get shot in the head. I thought it was, I can appreciate how everything was constructed, put together the, the artistry of the violence, but I don't carry that with me and go, that was awesome. And I think about it days on, you know, after, nor do I carry it with me in the opposite direction and just lament and, and worry and stress out about violence. I, I don't carry it in either way. I can appreciate it for being fake, but for depicting a reality. And then I can, you know, acknowledge that it makes sense within the story and that the guy had it coming, you know, there's a, there's this aspect of justice to that moment. And then you move on, you don't carry it through, but you know, for my wife, she's, she's very sensitive to that kind of stuff and thinks about it in a different way than I do. I, for example, and you know, this might hurt some of your feelings and I'm sorry if it does, but let's be honest. I, I believe in the death penalty and I know I've seen a lot online. Like you can't believe in the death penalty and be anti, uh, abortion. You know, you, those two things don't coincide. Obviously in my mind that that is a stupid argument. 
you are not giving the choice of life to someone that has no say in it with one. And then with the other, you know, if you have irrefutable evidence that this person has done completely awful and really, uh, you know, uh, nothing that they can, that they can, um, pay for in any meaningful way. Like they, they've, they've killed children. They killed a family. They, you know, they, they went on a killing spree. They, whatever, like if it's irrefutable evidence, then that person should be taken out. I mean, that's, that's the difference, right? That's the argument. One person, a baby doesn't have a choice, has no say in the situation, no say in the matter. That is truly awful. And then this other person did have a choice and they chose to be an animal in society. So, you know, I totally uh, am for the death penalty, but I'm also on the extreme end of you better have all your ducks in a row. You're T's better be crossed. Your eyes better be dotted. It has to be irrefutable evidence. And if you don't have it, you can't take that person out. You can't take it out just on eyewitness alone. There has to be, in my opinion, a multitude of, you know, evidence that points towards this is, and it also helps as the person is unrepentant. And if they tell you, yeah, I loved, you know, I loved what I did. I loved killing those people, whatever. If you have something like that, I'm sorry, you got to go. You also can't be on the fence, in my opinion. If you're willing to send our men and women out into battle, and, you know, the, at, for various reasons, like, uh, for example, uh, uh, SEAL teams, if they're out there, Rangers, you know, other special uh, forces, uh, if they're out there and they're doing the dirty work, and it is dirty work, you know, of the U.S., they're out there killing um, to keep us safe. Like, you can't be for that, but be against the death penalty. You got to be consistent all the way across the board. And if you're against the death penalty, then you have to be against abortion. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't going to go into <laughs> necessarily political stuff. So again, if I'm hurting any of your feelings or offending you in any way, I apologize. But this is just, this is reality of where I'm at. Like consistency is, as I get older, it it is more meaningful to me by far than than uh, it was when I was younger. And I can see the holes in my in my own thinking and my own arguments about things, particularly when I was younger. But as I've read more and listened more and studied more, you know, like uh, my my opinion on things and my reasoning for it, for my reasonings for them, uh, you know, has become more solidified, more consistent. I think uh, going back to the whole violence thing, watching the series, you know, there's a lot of violent moments in it. There's a lot of gunplay. There's a lot of uh, there, here's the one thing that there's not, in my opinion. I didn't push back against Chris Pratt's character and his reasoning for what he was doing. And maybe that might be one of the first times where I'm looking at something and there is extreme violence and I'm just rooting for the guy completely. Like, uh, you know, maybe it's the 
being disillusioned with the way that uh, our court systems currently work and and our government currently works. But, you know, you get this feeling that if he would have tried to bring those people to, quote unquote, justice, they would have found loopholes to get out. And in fact, the, the story sets up this m- moment where they tell you, like, we have an out for these things, you know, for this thing that we did, rather. So it becomes doubly important that Chris Pratt's character is able to get done what he's able to get done because there will be no true justice that is served to these people. And if it was just about him and just about his family, that would be one thing. Although, I, in my opinion, that's enough. But on top of that, it's 12 other men and their families that also end up having to suffer. So getting back to the violence thing, you know, there's, uh, and the sex, you know, on screen, you, I feel like Americans have an easier time consuming the violence because the violence can be cartoonish. It can be artistic. It can be, you know, just over the top, or you can have moments of realism and, and appreciate the art for what it is and still keep yourself separate from it. It's that old argument that we had in the 80s and 90s of video games being violent, rap music being violent, you know, uh, heavy metal music being violent, and that these things would necessarily shift a person's thinking and cause them to go out and and commit violence. Is that 100% true? No. But is it not true at all? No, probably not. As we've... I think learned over time, and I say we as a society, as we see the bigger our population gets, the more we can see the dummies that exist within that population and people that are easily manipulated by the me- by their media that they consume, uh, you know, are people that unfortunately are unwise. They, they are dummies. And that could be for a lot, you know, a lot of reasons could be bad upbringing. It could be, you know, um, bad friends around you. It could be, you know, that you're just a weak person in your constitution of how you think. Um, but you know, in general, yeah. Uh, Americans can seem to process violence, uh, much easier than sex. And I think the reason that sex is a more difficult thing to swallow that, you know, uh, to, to accept. And uh, so here's the argument that I've heard getting into that is that we come from and are founded as a puritanic, puritanical country, you know, that we are founded by the Puritans. And that's where we get this shame aspect uh, about sex I, to me, that's complete BS. I, I don't, I don't buy it. If you know the history of this country, you actually come to find out that it was not, uh, founded by Puritans. It was founded by a pretty eclectic group of people that had different, I mean, that's the whole point of this country. The whole point of this country is that people that had different points of view with, you know, the England, uh, the English monarchy, and the English rule and the English law and English people, you know, they, those people come over here because they want 
a little bit more flexibility they or a lot more flexibility they you know they come to to appreciate the opportunities of this land and they open it up to italians and irish and you know scots and uh Germans and you know you 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 start to see an influx of people from different parts of the world come in here and those people are going to bring their own you know idiosyncrasies and 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 cultures into the mix to say that this country was founded and and the rule of law was puritanism is is not understanding the history of this country the one thing you can say uh, or that I agree with is that Americans do have a more private point of view when it comes to sex. And I think one of the things that, you know, that has really become beneficial to us or that has beneficial for so many years is that we do hold this position of, of privacy with that. Obviously you can see it, you know, you can see that, online you know sex you could see all over the place it is in mainstream movies it's in comedies it you know from action to comedy to drama you're gonna see that you know sprinkled in same thing with uh you know just regular unfortunate porn you, you that is accessible all over the place but i think we have this general sense in America that that is a private thing and we don't want to engage in it at a communal level the way that we can with violence you know you're <clears throat> you could easily see violence breaking out at a supermarket at a McDonald's at a Home Depot you know whatever just out on the street you're more likely to see that than you are to see a sex act break out, you know, out in public. Although I've been the unfortunate, uh, uh, my eyes have been the unfortunate recipient of that at a Metallica concert, but that is outside of the norm. And it is, you know, it's a vulnerable thing and it's a vulnerable act. So it completely makes sense that it is not just breaking out left and right in in society the way that violence is also a personal act and it and it is but it's not private it's just it's an intimate thing that can happen you know for someone to attack someone else in front of you for violence to break out in front of you and but you can understand it your brain can process it depending on the situation two people get into an argument at a club two people get into an argument at a rally two people get into an argument you know at whatever and then you can see how that feeds into you know the mob because the people are already there and they already have predetermined sides that they're a part of right you're at a club you're with your boys those are your boys and so if you get into an argument with some strangers already you you have picked sides you're with your boys same thing if you're at a rally you know you're you're right or you're left or you're you know you're advocating for this or you're against that you're already in a powder keg community of sides so you're you already have teams going on that's not the that's not the same with sex 
Sex does not have, there's no spontaneous sides that are breaking out. And when you do have this moment of communal, you know, outdoor breaking out of that, that's called a cult. You're in a cult. You're, whether you're swingers or you're, you know, or, or you are following some, some leader of, of, of love and open understanding and blah, you're in a cult. It's a, it's a cult moment. And, and, you know, again, it's a vulnerable, it's, it's a vulnerability in a way that violence is not as vulnerable. Like you might end up becoming vulnerable in that moment of violence because you're the one that gets hit in the face, you know, and all of a sudden you're, you can't defend yourself. You get rocked and you're, you can't think straight, but it's not the same kind of vulnerable of, as that, you know, this other thing. And people that I've heard that have, that have advocated for loosening up are, are thinking on this and, you know, have also uh, asked the question of like, why are we okay with this, but we're not okay with that. They're not thinking it all the way through, dude, one makes you way more vulnerable than the other. There's a, a vulnerability and an openness that should be kept private. Now, if those people want to argue, well, why should it be private? Well, give me the argument as to why it shouldn't be private. It should absolutely be, in my opinion, a, a private thing that is for you and, and just the other person. I don't, my point is, I don't want to see it on screen. Not interested. I'm not necessarily offended when it pops up. You know, that's, that's not me either. Like that's another, in the same way that my wife is very sensitive about violence. She's also very sensitive about sexuality popping up on screen. Uh, I mean, you know, as I, like I said, as I've gotten older, I can definitely do without it. When I was a young man, if it popped up on, on screen, it was fun to watch. It was, you know, titillating and enticing. But as my thinking has refined and, and I've thought about the consequences of what is put up on, on screen, I, and also I have found that a lot of the time uh, there's never any justification for it in the story that is being told. There's no moment in a movie or a TV show where the act of sex actually helps to move the story forward, you know, that, and whether the sex is graphic or mildly graphic and, and somewhat uncomfortable there, there's nothing about that moment that goes, I go, Oh yeah. Okay. So this totally fit into the story and made, made the story better more relevant, richer, like, no, it, you end up doing a far better job of showing me what you want to show me with the two characters, uh, you know, kissing or, or doing the, the pre, you know, dance of, of, uh, courtship, like that is more meaningful. And, uh, you know, unfortunately my my mind will fill in the gaps as to what is coming or what's going to happen uh, far better than you just boom, put it out there. And there it is. Like it's, um, it's wasted set, you know, uh, what is it called? Uh, 
celluloid, I believe they called films. It's it's wasted film time. Like just let's let's show the two characters kissing and looking into each other's eyes and then boom, let's move into the rest of the story. So yeah, uh, yeah, why do we have an easier time uh, consuming violence over sex? I think it's because we inherently and instinctively understand that one is a very private and should be a very private thing and a very a very vulnerable and intimate thing while the other one can break out for a variety of reasons good and bad both in public and in private you know and it has very different consequences and sometimes those consequences can be very meaningful because the violence that is happening, you might want it to happen to the person that it's happening based on what you saw. Like I can, I can't tell you how many videos I come across, you know, all the time online where somebody is creating, causing violence towards someone else that didn't deserve it. And you think, man, I wish that person could either fight back or had someone step in and fight for them because this, you know, this one person is being so um, incredibly violent and unfair, you know, to this other person. I, uh, that's one of the things that bothers me a lot. I hate, uh, you know, I, I hate this disproportionate unfairness. And, and you see that a lot, you know, whether it's you're dealing with a crazy person or you're dealing with just somebody that is more willing to engage physically, you know, than, than the other person. Uh, for example, you know, uh, a guy attacking a girl, like typically they're bigger, stronger, and they're faster. And I, you know, the fact that somebody won't step in when something like that happens drives me insane. And at that point, that's where I f I'm very comfortable with violence meeting violence. So if you see a grown man attack a, a woman or a child, I am yearning to see another grown man step in and handle that situation in a way where they're going to have a much better chance than that poor child or that woman. You know, uh, it just, that's where I crave violence. I want violence to happen at that moment at the person that is being unfairly aggressive towards, you know, the, the, this, this section of humanity, you know, this, a, a child or a woman that might not be able to do anything about it. Now that doesn't mean that, that I haven't seen videos with women handling it because I have, like, I've seen a woman bust out a gun and straight up just blast a dude who, who was holding people at gunpoint. I've seen, uh, a, a woman who was a professional MMA fighter and the other dude, the, the, the dude who attacked her had no clue what he, what he was getting himself into, into, and she handled it in those moments, man, I celebrate that violence. I am grateful for that violence. Um, and I think that's why I have a much better time. But if I were to come across a video where somebody spontaneously, spontaneously just, you know, they start getting it on. Uh, no, thanks dude. Like there's nothing to celebrate there. I'm like, ah, don't, 
first of all, out in public, disgusting. Second of all, you should be arrested. Third of all, are you, are you insane? What are you doing? So it's just, it's not even on the same level. No, this country was not founded by Puritans, but I'm so grateful that we are not like Europe. I mean, in Europe, I remember years ago, I think I'm, I think I was in my twenties, I came across this German commercial where two people were in the act of lovemaking in a car and the commercial was a sales pitch for the car. That's how Germany, or at least this car company, that's how they sold their vehicles. Like that is insanity to me, insanity to me that that would be shown on, on their regular TV, by the way. And it's the same way with some of the Latin American countries, like the weather girls, like, come on, dude. Like, really? You, you're not selling the weather. You know what you're selling. I, it's, I, yeah, it's just gotten to the point, you know, and it's, and it's getting to the point in society where you as a parent, and I think this is a lot of where my perspective comes from now too, is as a parent, you have to be very mindful of what your kids might come across and might see. Like it's not puritanical to want to keep your children from violence, by the way, and sexuality. Like those, when, when I'm explaining one, I, there is no cartoonish sexuality that I would want my kids to be exposed to, but my kids can be exposed to cartoonish violence, the kind of violence that ends up in a hilarious hijinks kind of moment where it's either like a Mr. Bean or, you know, the Three Stooges or, uh, you know, any cartoon that has, uh, you know, some level of, of fun, funny, fun, cartoonish violence. That's fine with me, but there is no level of cartoonish sexuality that my kids can, can come across and have it be safe. So, you know, that, uh, that's another big difference. Like people that lament that we are so puritanical in our approach are not thinking it through. They're just not, you know, and, and just because you want something as an adult, doesn't mean that society should cave or cater in to that want and say, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like, doesn't matter that a kid is five or six or whatever. It's, it's, it's the whole argument that's happening right now with these drag show things. Like why are adults pushing for an allowance of children to be allowed to go to drag shows? Where is that coming from? Why? Why in the world is that okay? Like, what's the message here? And how to, to someone like me that has children who would never take my kids to, uh, by the way, to a heterosexual parade that celebrates heterosexuality, the prime word being sexuality, I, there would be no reason, desire in my, and my wife's part to bring our children to something that is celebrating that and say, well, look at, look kids, like let's buy some merch now and let's, you know, 
let's celebrate the love between a man and a woman. No, no, no. Like you need to get to all these things at an appropriate time within, you know, this little person's life. And, you know, it, it's, it's the parents that decide when that is. It's the same thing with the, you know, the things that are going on with, with books being taken out of schools and people up in arms about that. Well, let's be honest about the books that are being taken out. The books that are being taken out are books that focus and in some cases hyper-focus on sexuality. And, you know, the, the entire quote-unquote spectrum of that, it, it is a parent's right to not expose your children to specific things until you feel or you deem that they are ready. And by the way, every parent's line is completely different. There are PG movies from the 80s that I have asked my wife not to show our children because they're not appropriate. They're PG according to the rating, but that doesn't really mean anything. Driving Miss Daisy is not appropriate for my little ones. Neither is E.T. Neither is a bunch of other 80s movies. You know, they, they're just, the rating system was just off, you know. And my kids can wait until they get to 12, 13. But that's me. Now, if you're a parent and you're like, I want to show my kid whatever at age eight. Fine. Then that's you. And and by the way, I think every parent knows their, their kid better than anybody else is going to know their kid, better than a school is going to know their kid, better than, you know, what do you call, um, the government is going to know your kid. So I, I might not agree with your parenting choices, but I certainly don't want to take away your right within reason, by the way, let's not make this like a, a blanket libertarian free-for-all either. Do no harm, cause no harm, introduce no harm to your children as best as you, you're capable of doing. I 100% fall in that way of thinking. So, you know, I think psych, uh, psychologically and, and scientifically, there it's proven that certain things can and should be introduced at certain times that when they're appropriate to your child. So definitely follow, you know, try to follow those guidelines as best you can. But I think there's also a lot of wiggle room in there where, and, and this goes not just for children, but for adults too. I, again, my wife is very sensitive to violence. So, you know, why would I want to drag her into watching a hyper violent thing where I know she's not going to have a good time with it? Like she would not appreciate Taran Tarantino movies. I happen to really like them and I happen to find them outlandish and over the top. And I don't agree with the character's choices in the movies a lot of the time, but that's not the point of the movie. The movie is not trying to cater to me and how I feel. The movie's telling me a story and I may disagree big time with the story with, with meaning the, the, the choices that the characters make, the life choices they make, the way that they talk, the way that they think. But that's the point of the movie. The point of the movie is 
it's just telling you the story whether you agree with the characters or not it's telling you this specific story and it leaves it up to you at the end to make a decision you know about how you would have gone about things or whether it was the right conclusion or not and it makes you talk and it makes you think and those are the best kinds of stories and it's not giving you a message that's one of my favorite things about tarantino tarantino is not forcing you to think or trying to force you to think one way or the other about any specific situation. He's just telling you what's happening. And if you agree with it, great. If you celebrate it, great. If you don't, that's also great. He does not care. His point is, I'm going to tell you this story. It might be severely messed up. You might uh, sympathize with the character. You might completely hate the character. But here's where the story goes. Here's the conclusion of it. Like it, hate it, whatever. I told you a story. I didn't try to give you a message. I didn't try to shove anything down your throat. I didn't try to make you think differently about something, indoctrinate you. Those are the best stories. You're going to tell me a story about an evil empire and these, uh, you know, these freedom fighting rebels. Well, I can come to my own conclusion that the freedom fighting rebels might have done as much damage in some ways as the rebellion as the empire that's one of the things that i took from andor for example you see uh i think his name's lucian is the one of the main characters the Skarsgård character he gets to a moment in his decision about the rebellion of the ends justify the means everybody in the galaxy has grown too soft too complacent too quiet we have to push things to the extreme so everybody can understand that they have a boot on their neck because right now the way that everybody's acting that boot is pretty comfortable and they can live with it and they should not be living with it because they are not understanding the freedom that they're missing out on the opportunity that they're missing out on the joy that they're missing out on because they're complacent all of the people across the universe are complacent and we need to push things to an extreme. Do I agree with him? No, I actually don't. I think his ends justifying the means puts him basically in the same case. And he admits it. He's like, I've, I've become the thing that I hate or, or I'm becoming the thing that I hate because I'm using their tactics to, to produce a different outcome. I feel like that's, that's pretty meaningful. That's something that we should think about in society as a whole. As we consume our media, what is our media telling us? What kind of message is it trying to, to show us? And, you know, uh, again, I like escapism and, and I, I go to media for, to not, you know, think about the real world and not think about life for a minute. But, the best stories do make you consider and think and ponder and question and philosophize. You know, I think uh, a stark difference in contrast are Tarantino movies where there's there's a lot less of that going on. And, and Tarantino movies are more visceral. That's what the terminal list was for me. It was much more visceral. I'm rooting for Chris Pratt's character because Chris Pratt's character is very single-minded. 
and he has to accomplish this thing, whether whether he's right or wrong in the real world, whether his actions would actually cause more damage or whether it's better for those people to be, you know, and that's an argument that 100% can be made. Like, it's better that those people be shown, the people that that hurt his family and hurt his, his, uh, his brotherhood. It, it would be better for every single one of those people to be caught, prosecuted and put in jail to make that argument or to make the argument that it's better for those people to be wiped off the face of the earth. That is a, a good discussion to have. And you can go back and forth on the merits of, of, of those actions and morality and what is the better good for for society and for the individual uh, you know i i love that kind of conversation but i will tell you just uh, at, on entertainment level alone it was so satisfying and entertaining to watch him go through you know the the series in the way that he did i and again there's a lot of things that i've not even got close to spoiling there's um aspects of the character that that as they get revealed you're like oh and and i think um you know i went and did a little digging and and read like jack carr like he's got a series with this character character's name is reese i believe and um so you get to see the progression of where this character is as you know being america's most wanted to how he gets brought back into the fold. I don't know. The whole thing's fascinating. I'm, I'm really, really hoping that it was a giant hit for Amazon and that they get to continue uh, the books because this is by far one of my favorite characters for sure of this year and maybe just in general. It It's rad. Cannot recommend the Terminal List enough. Cannot recommend, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, avoiding uh, things too early for your children enough. Uh, cannot recommend not wa- not showing them uh, 1980s PG movies. I mean, even, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, I was going to say The Land Before Time, but, uh, but uh, Back to the Future. Even Back to the Future is not appropriate. For little ones, like you got to wait a while before you can show. There's, there's some pretty gnarly stuff going on in that one. Oh, you know what? The last thing that I will recommend, actually, before I head out, I thought it was a, it was a heartbreaking movie, but it was excellent. And I mean, you can expect no less from from this person. Is uh, Steven P- Spielberg's uh, The Fablemans? It's actually an autobiography. You know movie about his life it it takes these uh made-up characters the fablemans and you know overlay it uh, steven spielberg overlays his his life growing up and and uh you know from his perspective how his family was and what brought him to the point of, of becoming the person that he became and man it is just it's really well done you it's heartbreaking you you know, if Steven Spielberg's mother was the way that he depicted her in the movie, then um, you, you can you could see the balance of of loving someone that is incredibly damaged, that is incredibly precious to you, um, 
that is both wonderful and artistic and is one of the people that gives has given you your reason for being you know has 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 fostered in you your love for art and yet at the same time has brought so much pain and suffering and damage into your life it's it's beautifully told beautifully balanced incredibly sad everybody knocked it out when it comes to the performance it's also it's fascinating and for me personally it makes you yearn you know to to go back to when you were young and like invest more of your time into the thing that you love for me it's art and to watch that movie and to see you know spielberg's passion and drive and and singular focus on on this thing that he loves you know cinema and how he teaches himself special effects he teaches himself editing he teaches himself um you know how to how to uh point the camera and and how to create action and how to generate drama i don't know it made me it made me really wish to go back to to being young and to really like i said invest and focus more into into this passion that i have i i've talked about it before whenever people have come in and watched me draw when i'm at the wonderground one of the things people always say is uh you know oh you, you have a natural talent and i always say it no it's not it's not natural talent it, it's a skill and it's a skill that you develop over time uh, there is a difference though where you could be you know you could be someone like uh, eric clapton or you could be a very proficient uh, uh person that learns the guitar and you can become very proficient and very good you can play everything you can read the music but you might never become eric clapton that's a completely different thing there's a a mindset to that and uh a reality to that kind of you know the ability to to take something and then to overlay it and create something new that's the tough part like anybody can learn how to draw anybody can learn how to how to play music anybody can learn how to do any skill any perishable skill that's out there but can you then bring some your vision to it your own unique vision to it that's that's the question anyway i recommend uh the fablemans it's a great movie um really well told really well directed beautifully acted um and those are my picks for today so thank you guys again as always for uh, being with me on this ride and let me ramble and talk and i uh, hope you guys have a fantastic weekend take your vitamins drink your water eat your vegetables love you guys i will talk to you later bye